0: Barukata Haroni Elohenu Melekaulam Asher Bakarba asher mi cola mem etorato, tan la Barukata No tain ha torah Amen. May this podcast be to the hastening other final redemption with the return of Mashiach Yeshua speedily and soon in our days. And let's not forget about the third and final Beit HaMikdash. May it be rebuilt speedily and soon. Amen. Welcome to the Agarit to the Romans podcast. Continuing on the series, last week we were in chapter two, uh, the first four verses. This week we're trucking forward or, uh, Blasting forward, as we should say, as a Shomer man would do, uh, going from verse 5 through verse 11. Can you believe it? Let's see. All right. So picking up in the Orthodox Jewish Bible translation uh, that is full of Yiddish, but it gives us a wonderful context of everything to give it that flavor, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, let me start with verse four to give us a, a smooth, seamless start. So we ended our last podcast with verse four that says, or do you think lightly of the wealth of his nedivut, which is generosity, and his chesed, and of his being erech hapaim, erech apaim." which we say this again in Tehillim 145 during our recitation of the minka brakot. So Erekapayim Ugdal Hasid, he's slow to anger, merciful, and then he has greatness in his kindness. Continuing on, it says that uh, and of his Zitz flesh, which is his patience, Disregarding the fact that the chesed of Hashem, the kindness of Hashem, is to lead you to teshuva. Alright, so do you think lightly of the generosity, the kindness, slow to anger, patience? And do you disregard the fact that Hashem, His kindness is granted to us to lead us to teshuva? So in other words, why are we under grace because Hashem wants us to take that grace and turn it into teshuva. Okay, so that's important to know because we know that Mashiach is full of chesed ve'emet, or ve'emez, as Rabbi Griffin would say. So when we look at the fact that Hashem has granted us so much kindness, so much slowness to anger, that is to cause us to not take advantage of Him, and to really go as intensely and as far and as deep as we can into Shuva. And when we look at what that actually means, that means if there is any part of our life or any part of our psyche that is turning away from Hashem, we must grab a hold of that. Yes, take it captive in Mashiach, because that's what we can do. That's what we have the anointing to do. And we must use that anointing, we must use that spiritual power, grab a hold of it, and bring it on back to Torah. So this week is Parsha Bechukotai, and that actually begins in Vayikra 26. So I just want to uh, give a quick shout out that when I say this week is Parsha Bechukotai, that is... um, Parsha BeHukotai, as far as in Eretz Israel. Remember, us in Eretz Israel are currently not in sync as it comes to the Parshot due to coming out of Pesach and into the following um, sections of Torah, Parshot of Torah. So, currently in the Diaspora, we are in Parsha BeHar. Again, that is Vayikra 25, verse 1 through Vayikra 26, 2. And then, Parsha Bechukotai, it picks up in Vayikra 26, 3, going into the end of Sefer Vayikra. Now, Vayikra feels like it's over just as soon as it started. And uh, it is just, we're almost at Shabbat. So Behrad Hashem, everyone's counting their Omer and uh, undoing the sin of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit from that tree and eating and partaking of the tree of life as well. So BeHukotai literally translates to if you will go in my statutes. That's why it's such a big word because it's a big phrase. And it's important to know that statutes. Let me, You know what? Let me just read this here. This is from Rabbi GQ. Because remember, Rabbi Abraham Greenbaum, we gave a new name as we started chapter 2 of the Agarit to the Romans. So this is what he says. He says, our Parsha Bechukotai puts the seal on the book of Vayikra, which is the heart of the Torah. Bereshit being the head, Shemot being the arms, Bamibar being the legs and Devarim being the mouth or Malkut. It's important to know from that real quick that Malkut literally is kingdom. And when Yeshua says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that means seek first the mouth of the Torah and the rest of the body of the Torah. All right. So the Torah is a body. Just want to point that out. Okay, Bechukotai marks the conclusion of God's revelation to Moshe in the Mikdash, and the sanctuary. Because remember, Vayikra starts off, you know, from the end of Shemot, where the cloud comes down, saturates everything. No one can go in or come out. This is the Shekinah falling on the Mishkan, filling it up. And Vayikra Adonai Moshe, Hashem speaks to Moshe, and it's this voice that only Moshe can hear, but it's the voice that was sounded from Mount Sinai, but it's coming through the cloud-covered Mishkan, and only Moshe can hear it. And obviously, Moshe goes into the cloud. He does the whole seven days of being in the white garments. And then on the eighth day, Aharon and his sons, they do their thing. And so this was said to be the month of um, the month before Nisan. I can remember. Adar. Yes. Okay. So Adar, the month of Adar, which is the month where our joy increases. And then it just goes out of control, amazing, into Nisan. So this is all the time frame of what's going on. So now you have a nice little bookend that Bekukotai is the conclusion of this revelation experience. So it says, this is the conclusion of God's revelation to Moshe in the Mikdash, in the camp at Sinai, and the sealing of the Sinaiic, Sinaiic, Sinaitic, wow. Sinaitic covenant. Okay. So don't let that trip you up because there's a covenant between the parts. There's a covenant of circumcision. There's a covenant with Yosef. There's a covenant with, um, Moshe, uh, redeeming the people. Now there's a covenant that happened at Mount Sinai. And it's important to know that at Mount Sinai, there was a renewal of this covenant because of the golden calf. And so Shemot chapter 34 and all of that. So there are all sorts of covenants. There's the Davidic covenants, you know, the covenant through Melech David, where his descendant will always inhabit the throne. And then you have the renewal of the covenant in general through Mashiach. What covenant is he renewing? He's renewing the covenant of all the covenants, like everything, like reuniting the tribes, bringing in the converts, uh, you know, building up the kingdom of Hashem in the earth, the original covenant that was breached in the garden. Okay. So you got all sorts of covenants. So don't let that trip you up that, you know, there, it's still all is one, you know, cool. echad. Covenant is an agreement and a bond between us and Hashem expressed through Adam originally, then through Noah, and then through Avraham, then through Yitzhak, then through Yaakov, then through Yosef, then through Yisrael, then through Moshe. Like it's just on and on and on, but it's all a covenant, okay. Because if it wasn't, then we would have no connection with the Shem and there would be no Israel. There would be no salvation. Salvation would come from, quote unquote, another place. So covenants. All right. So anyway, this is the sealing of that covenant. While the Book of Bamibar recounts the journeying of the children of Israel on their way to the Promised Land, as the seal on Vayikra, the Book of the Heart, the Heart of the Torah, it's also called Torah Takan Koanim, Torah Koanim, the 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 Law of the Priests. So remember, we're Kingdom of Priests, right? So this is our book. And it says, Bekukotai addresses the two sides of the heart, the love and the fear. Our love of God is aroused by the promise of blessing if we will go in his statutes while our fears are aroused by the desire or by the dire punishments for failure to do so. So what does it mean to go in his statutes? Rebbe Nachman of Breslev, the life of Torah and mitzvot should be one of constantly, hear me out, constantly striving to move forward from level to level and our fulfillment of the actual mitzvah. In every mitzvah that we carry out, There is some, there is a level of meaning that we can grasp within our minds. Yet at the same time, the mitzvah has profoundly deeper meaning that is now beyond our grasp. These two levels are those of na'aseh, which is we will do, and venishma, which is and we will hear, respectively. So na'aseh applies to that which is in our grasp now, the physical mitzvah with its plain intention, we will do. We must go ahead and do it now on the simple level, even if as yet we do not have a deeper understanding. This is why Yeshua would say, Thomas, you can put your hands in my side. You can look at the nails holes in my hand and in my feet. But blessed are those who believe and yet they do not see, because this is called the secret of Hashem. In my previous podcast, that's like 500 hours long, uh, just did this le- uh, yesterday, according to the timestamp on this podcast, I went into this the whole tractate of Shabbat 88, the A and the B. That's why it was that long. But anyway, I digress. I go into how and Ishma is called the secret of Hashem. And it's like, who revealed to Israel my secret? This is how angels worship me. Are you kidding me? So Mashiach is letting us know that he's leading us into these deep levels of service to Hashem. And this is what the essence of Bechukotai is. So now let me go ahead and finish out this uh, little section here because we're getting way away from. Well, actually, we're getting very, very close to what our little section of the Agarit is talking about. So it says we must go ahead and do it now. Plain, simple meaning. Even as yet, we do not have deeper understanding. Even if the level of a nishma, which is we shall hear, which is understanding, is still beyond us. So we don't know. You may be just now entering into kashrut and you're like, I have no idea. I'm a vegetarian right now because I just got rid of all my quote unquote meat that I thought that I should have bought. But uh, yeah, you know, so... Uh, until I figure this kosher thing out, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna eat vegetables, I'm gonna be vegan or vegetarian, and I'm gonna do that until I figure out root in my kitchen and all that kind of stuff, and it's like, you know what, you're on the level of Nasevenishma right now, you're getting turned up for real, because it's beyond your understanding, but you're still doing it, and that right there is the essence and the epitome of what it means to be B'nai Hashem, to be children of Hashem, to be children of the light, to be children of the living God, to be a follower of Mashiach. You got to be willing to do things you don't understand and know that you will come to understand them later. We're just now understanding what's happening when we're counting the Omer and how long have we counted the Omer? Some of us some of you, may this may be your first year and you already know, Counting the Omer undoes the, the, the primordial sin and the uh, primordial uh, contamination of the serpent of what happened in the garden. You know, we're going through and undoing the the fabric of our blemish, of our failure, of our fall from grace that happened in the garden. That's why we're standing. That's why we're waving this Omer before Hashem. That's why the Omer is sifted through. It's 13 levels of sifting, which there are 13 ways to sift through the Torah. It's called the 13 principles of Torah. Okay, There are all these different ways and techniques of interpreting Torah. And it's 13 of them. Remember, 13 is the word echad, which is the word for one unity, oneness. Okay, and then uh, thirteen is also the Gamatri of Ahava. So if you are a lover of Hashem, you're allowing yourself to be sifted and you're sifting Hashem himself. You're distilling him down and, and chewing him up and partaking of his word. Yes, yeah, like truly eating the flesh and the blood of Mashiach Yeshua and drinking righteousness. You're eating and drinking the kingdom. And you do that, you know, because our body sifts through everything that we put in it, you know, it's, it's like, where's the nourishment for the arm? Where's, you know, what's going to help these organs over here? You know, all this kind of stuff. And when you take vitamins, your body sifts. Okay. So anyway, uh, there's that whole process going on. So your venishma means that you are, OK, so back here. So venishma is the level of understanding, which you may or may not have at the moment, but it will come later and it will come eventually through your not, I say, it, through your doing. So back to Rabbi GQ, he says to go in God's statutes means to strive or he's still quoting Rebbe Nachman Sleka. So back to Rebbe Nachman as cited by Rabbi GQ says, to go in God's statutes means to strive constantly, to turn that which is as yet beyond us, a.k.a. our venishma, which is our we will hear, or we will understand. It says, and make it into our na'ase. We can turn something we don't understand into something we do, something we can meaningfully accomplish. This is brought about when we pray to God, to help us in our practice And give us deeper understanding Deeper understanding also depends Upon deeper study Okay this is why we pray Without ceasing because there's a lot of Stuff we don't know in Hashem we need Your help right How are we supposed to hasten the final redemption Because Amet uh, aka Shomer man Is always talking about we need to hasten the redemption And Baruch Baba Hashem Adonai What does that even mean What does that even look like And if we start diving that to Hashem, he'll be like, (laughs) let me show you something. I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. All right. So how does that get us into our section of the Agarit? Well, going in, it says in verse five, because we just talked about Teshuvah. So everything I just mentioned encapsulates Teshuvah. Okay. Because the grace of Hashem is to lead us to Teshuvah. So if you're walking by the spirit, if you're living in the grace of Hashem that means you're making teshuva because if you're doing anything else then listen up because this is what that this is what verse 5 through 11 talks about it says as a result of your keshi, which is a yiddish term of course which is stubbornness and hardness as mentioned in Devarim 9:27 Devarim 927, reading it in context, starting in verse 25, takes us back to Parsha Kitisa. It says, So I threw myself down before Adonai those 40 days and 40 nights. Aka, this is the second time Moshe went up the mountain. The second time he went up the mountain and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights was all about making atonement, interceding for us and uh, bringing down the forgiveness of Hashem. How did it happen? It says he threw myself, he threw himself down. Moshe threw himself down for 40 days and 40 nights because Adonai had said he would destroy you. This is the whole Moshe, I'm going to make a whole people out of you and get rid of these people. And Moshe's like, but you can't go back on your promises because... And a garret to Rome chapter two, verse 11, it says you're no respecter of persons. There's no partiality. There is no, uh, you know, bribing bribery or uh, just kind of lacking out on your promises. You don't, you don't take that away. So you can't just tell Abraham, Yintak and Yaakov that uh, you're going to make sure they're, they're them and their children inherit the land but yet kill their children and them not inherit the land and only me and my children inherit the land. It's like, Hashem, you can't do that. You're breaking your own thing. And Hashem's like, well then what, what Moshe, what? (laughs) So anyway, this is the Amet Midrash. It says uh, in verse 26 now of Devarim chapter nine says, I prayed to Adonai and said, Oh Adonai, do not destroy your people your inheritance that you have redeemed through your greatness and brought out from Mitzrayim with a mighty hand. The mighty hand, the redemption, the greatness of Hashem. Okay, that's all salvation right there. That's all Yeshua. Okay, when Hashem redeems us, through his greatness and brings us out with a mighty hand because his mighty arm delivered us the angel of the of his face saved us you know yeshayahu brings that down and so this is all talking about mashiach okay so if you ever wanted to see mashiach in the torah devarim 9:26 continuing on it says remember your servants Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov pay no attention to the stubbornness of this people or to their wickedness or their sin. Otherwise, the land which you brought us out, okay, otherwise, the land from which you brought us out may save because Adonai was not able to bring them. Adonai's hand was too short. Adonai was not able to save, basically. And it says, so you weren't able to bring them into the land that you spoke of to them. Speaking of Abraham, Yitzhak and uh, Yaakov, because you hated them, you brought them out into the wilderness to kill them. The wilderness was a horrible place, by the way. So the fact that this is a leveling of charges aimed at Hashem uh, as Moshe is interceding for us you know Hashem the fact that we made it through the wilderness at all because you know we didn't have houses or anything protecting us we didn't have cars you know it was just Hashem the cloud Torah manna a well (laughs) not a well like free willy well but like a well of water just in case we needed something to drink it was right there it was on tap literally uh and the, t- the way you tap the rock is by speaking it to it. The first time you had to literally tap it, hit it with the staff. But that was it. After that, just speak to the rock. Hey, may I have a drink of water? And it's like, here's a whole lake for you right now. It's just like, I, I only needed a cup. It's like, well, you can't say you don't have any water. And you can't complain. But yet, what did we do? We complained. So anyway, when it talks about Kashi, that's the level of stubbornness and hard heartedness that's being talked about right here in verse five. So it says, um, and your leva votes, your hearts without teshuva." So the grace now is being trampled on because you're not making Teshuvah and because you're walking in stubbornness. And it says, and you are storing up for yourself, haron af Hashem which is the burning anger of Hashem and the Yom Af, the day of wrath, as mentioned in Tehillim 110, five, talks about the day of judgment. And it says, when will be revealed the Mishpat Hazedik of Hashem, the righteous judgment of Hashem. You know, when Hashem judges in the end, in the time to come, that the end of this age, basically, it's going to be a righteous judgment because Hashem has given us time to make teshuva. He sent his son already to shine the light into the world. He's granted us the Torah. He's given us Moshe and the prophets. You know, we're left without excuse. We even learned that in the Aggadah to Rome chapter one, that even nature shows us that we have no excuse. You know, if you just look at the seasons, you look at the times, you look at what's going on in the luminaries, the heavens, like Hashemai Misaprim, the heavens declare the glory of God. Okay. Like, so when judgment finally comes, because it will, and it is, we're going to be left without excuse. And the beautiful thing is we don't have to be afraid of it in so many words, unless we're people who are being stubborn. Because if you're working with all you got, hear me when I say this, you're taking your two hearts, your love and your fear of Hashem, you're literally scraping out your ego, you're stamping out your own mentality, your own agenda, you're taking advantage in the proper way of the grace of Hashem. And you're actually bringing down the sweetening of judgment in the midst of harsh judgment. As Rabbi Griffin so beautifully brought down in uh, the Aliyot during Parsha and more, that only Jews have the ability to bring down sweetness and kindness during a time of harsh and strict judgment. And that's why we count our Omer. That's why, why we eat matzah. That's why we forsake the things of this world. Because the things of this world are doing nothing but storing up wrath and judgment. You know, this is why there is great groanings and pains in the earth. Because they're like, Hashem, when is this going to be over? Mankind is just trying to destroy themselves. Like, why don't anyone, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, all 70 languages, hearken to your voice why don't they walk by your light? Why don't they walk in paths of righteousness? Why are they lovers of themselves and suppressors of your truth? Why are they lovers of darkness and repellers of light? And it's just like, oh, tsunamis, ugh, earthquakes, ugh, hurricanes, ugh, hell hailstorms you know, all sorts of just judgments are going forth. And it's just like, oh no, let's pray for, you know, Hashem to be kind. And it's just like, are you listening to him? Because if you want him to listen to you and you're not listening to him, I mean, he's merciful. Yeah. But why are you continue to take advantage of his mercy? He's hapaim He's slow to anger. Don't disregard it. Yes, that was verse four again. Now somehow the, four, the force is very strong. The four is the force very strong. The four is. Okay. But anyway, so that's the first thing. Verse six says who will render Leish sehu? Who? who will render to each person according to his works? This right here is a stopping verse. Good night. Shaul. what is wrong with you? Tehillim 62:13. did you know this is written in the renewed covenant? Which is Sefer Tehalim. The Tehalim is the original Brit Shah. Again, to quote Shlomo, who is quoting uh, everything he's been studying on the Tehalim, which I don't know what kind of sources. That boy got all sorts of sources that we don't know about. So, anyway, Ish Pela, you're living up to your name. That's legit. All right, so Tehalim 62 12 through 13, it says. This is the Bushart. It says God spoke one thing. I'm trying to give myself some space here. Here we go. Now we get now we good. Okay. God spoke one thing from which I perceived two. So God spoke one thing and I perceived two things. That strength belongs to God, number 1, and that yours my God is kindness. For you repay each man according to his deeds. So number one, strength belongs to God. Okay, so if anyone wants to say that they're strong, if anyone wants to say that they're amazing, you need to know, first of all, that belongs to God. And then that he repays to mankind according to his deeds. And this is called Hashem's kindness, which is chesed. Now, commentary. From, from one statement, you re, for you repay each man according to his deeds, one can derive two things. Number one, strength belongs to God, i.e. he has control over everything. Since, were it not so, he could not repay each man according to his deeds. Okay? Because, you know, cause and effect stuff. Yeah, if Hashem wasn't in control of everything, then, uh, this verse would have to be taken out of the Torah. So yeah, know how that goes, removing verses and whatnot. Not good. So Hashem definitely is in control. How do we know? Because strength belongs to him. And he's able to repay everyone according to their deeds. Okay, and again, I know I keep quoting verse 11. It's like I'm trying to get to the end of this podcast or something. But verse 11 truly says Hashem is not a respecter of person. He has no partiality. He doesn't accept bribes from anyone. So whether it's a wicked person doing something righteous or whether it's a righteous person doing something wicked, regardless, you're still going to get rewarded according to your deeds, which I think is just absolutely incredible because again, this is what God's strength looks like. We think in our human mind, someone just did a horrible thing. And it's like, so they're an evil person. And yet that same person can turn around and do something extremely kind, like sacrifice their life for somebody. And you're like, you're a wicked man. What do you mean? You just laid your life down for someone. It's like, cause now you just taken on this wicked person who did something so horrible, now they just did something that's the highest example of love because the highest level of love is laying your life down. So think about that when it comes to if you say you love Hashem. Are you laying your life down for Hashem? Are you laying down your rights, your own aspirations, your own dreams like the akida? Because you realize the akida is so great Because Abraham said Hashem, he said this previously to Hashem before the Akedah happened, like a long time before that. He said, Hashem, you know, I'm totally fine. You gave me everything. You blessed me with all this goodness and all this, but it ain't going to mean anything because it's going to die with me. You haven't given me a son. And if you really think about the the, the profundity of that, that's insane because Hashem was like, Abraham, come with me outside the tent. We're going to go outside and beyond creation for a second. And I'm going to show you your destiny beyond the stars. Because it's written in the stars that you and your wife, Sarah, will not have a son. Or not have children at all. But I tell you, you will have a son. And he will be the son of promise. Mashiach is going to be the seed of promise. So when I give you this son, now we're going to fast forward to Genesis 22. Hashem's like, now I need you to sacrifice your son. Abraham's like, great, because strength belongs to you and you reward and repay man according to his deeds. So therefore, if I'm obedient to you, you're the God of the life and resurrection. So even though my son may die, I know he's going to live. So therefore, I'm totally fine with offering him to you. Do you realize how amazing that is? Because... Again, Abraham was saying, Hashem, you given me all this blessing, but it doesn't mean anything because you haven't given me a son. Now that Hashem gives him a son, which translates to thank you, Hashem, for all these blessings. And now it means something because I have a son to give it to. I want someone to perpetuate this with. And it's just like, yeah, great. Now that you know that you have a way to perpetuate everything and you feel like you have a legacy now, I want you to take away that legacy. Do you love me, Abraham? I just need to ask. So, I mean, that's the level of what it needs to be like for us loving Hashem. It should seem like there is no way out of this. Hashem, I just gave up Saturdays for the rest of my entire life. I do not know how I'm going to survive. Because most things happen on Saturdays, Hashem. And Hashem's like, thank you for giving that up and for not calling it Saturday and calling it the actual day that I call it. Because this is actually the only day of the week that I gave a name to. Which is Shabbat, which is Mashiach, which is my divine name. Because Shabbat is a divine name of Hashem, by the way. So many sources say that. I don't have time to find it. But anyway. Uh, so now going on to the second thing that Davi perceived from Hashem. It says, Yours, my God, is kindness. Commentary says, Since it is an act of divine kindness to punish man according to his deeds. Really? It's kindness to punish? So is this why the, the fact that we give ourselves consequences, our parents give consequences to their children for their disobedience, that's called kindness? Okay, so there's a lot of not kindness going on in the world because there's a lot of injustice happening as far as the parent-child relationship, and there's not being any um, rebuking going on. So if you don't rebuke someone, uh, that makes you uh, wicked, if for lack of a better term. And this came across my uh, Shomer Man face screen here, my little, uh, you know, my heads up display. That uh, this came from Dr. Sakal. I have no idea what's wrong with him, but he was apparently reading Masekit Shabbat 54b says anyone capable of admonishing, reproaching, or rebuking members of his household and does not do so is punished and considered culpable for the sins of the members of his household against the people of his city is punished for the sins of the people of his city against the entire world, is punished for the sins of the entire world. Meseket Shabbat 54b. So if you don't bring down proper and appropriate, knowing that it's going to be received type admonishing or reproaching or rebuking, because remember, if someone's not going to accept it, you're not allowed to rebuke them because you're just making it worse. But if someone's open to the rebuke and you're willing to rebuke yourself with them, and you're willing to do it in a way where you don't exalt yourself and lord yourself over them, but you submit yourself to them because you realize that the only reason you have to bring this rebuke is because there's something in you that needs to be rebuked. And so you get to do this together, kolechad. And if you don't do that, and if that's not available, then that makes us culpable for sins of all sorts. So anyway... Uh, there's a lot to that, and I apologize for the hit and run on that, but I have to hit and run. Okay, so um, it says back in the Tehillim here. Again, we're in Tehillim 62, 12, and 13 on the commentary from the Midrash Tehillim, the Kehurt uh, publication. It says, um, he rec- he- Hashem's kindness is an act of divine kindness to punish man according to his deeds in such a way that matches his sins. He then recognizes his punishment as such, not an arbitrary coincidence. This causes him to recognize his failings and then make efforts to correct them. So, That's just something that we need to make sure that we take introspection when we're going through divine acts of justice that are happening against us. It's Mita kenegit, Mita. okay? It's not an arbitrary thing. It's not something that we can go, I don't know why you're doing this to me, Hashem, or oh man, that stinking devil, like none of that. Just let that go because that's It's meter connected meter. It's literally measured out according to something you did. All right. So that's verse six. Hashem rewards us. Okay. According to our deeds. Verse seven. It says to those who buy zitzvahish patience, because remember Hashem has patience. So now, if you take the same patience that Hashem has, which is a whole lot, by the way, says to those who, by patience, persevere, enduring, and doing seem tovim, seek for kavod and honor and incorruptibility, He will give chayyeh olam eternal life. Now, with the same patience that Hashem has for us, with us being so blemished and imperfect, and oh my goodness, will we just make Teshuvah and hearken to the voice of Hashem for all of our down moments and everything? That's the same kind of patience we have to have and being persevering to do good works. Ma'asim Tovim. Okay, and when we do this, we need to seek for glory and honor, and incorruptibility, all at the same time, when you're seeking for glory and honor and incorruptibility, you're now aligning yourself with Tehillim 1610. This is how you do it. You do it as a chassid, okay, as a chassid. shout out to Ish Chassid, which is chassid, a chassid, a pious one, So, in Talim 1610, it says, For you will not abandon my soul to the grave. You will not allow your pious ones to see shachat. Now, I personally did not say the English translation of this word because literally in this book, they say purgatory. Some books may say sheol. But you need to know the word is shachat. Shall we learn about Shechat? Let's do. Shechat is connected to the word shuach, which means to sink down. Like what happens to the woman of ill repute in Mishlei chapter 2, says for her house sinks down and inclines to death. This is the verb of what happened to us in Mitzrayim. So Shechat has that connection there of a pit of falling, okay? So you will not allow your pious ones to see the falling into a pit, the sinking down, okay? Which is beautiful because we we were worthy of being redeemed through the fact that we returned back to Hashem when He said, count from this month the beginning of the months, and then take the lamb on the 10th day and then inspect it, make sure it's all good to go and then offer it as a Corbin Pesach and then paint the blood on the doorposts and then circumcise yourselves and then eat this lamb roasted over the fire and stay in your homes. Do not go out. It's just like, okay, so that was a whole lot of mitzvot right there. And doing one mitzvah causes you to merit eternal life. So it was important to know too that we this shichat that was happening to us, we were sinking to level after level after level after level of impurity. So when I was looking at this shichat, and then I'm looking at the root of that word shichat, it's su- shuach, which is all about the sinking down. Well, isn't it wonderful because the gematria of Shuach is actually 314, which is the same gematria as Memtet and the same gematria as Shaddai, which was what was painted on the doorpost, which is why nowadays we don't paint blood on the doorpost because we have a mezuzah on it, which has a sheen on it, which is standing for Shaddai. The blood of the lamb and the blood of the circumcision, i.e. our willingness to remove our stubbornness. That is the blood of circumcision. If you're going to circumcise yourself, you're telling Hashem you're no longer going to be stubborn. And if he says something, you're going to do it. This is why in Devarian chapter 10, it talks about circumcising the foreskin of your heart. Stop being rebellious. Stop cheapening my grace, return to my path, return to my voice today. If you hear my voice today will be the day of salvation. You will see Yeshua if you hear the voice of Hashem. So that's the blood. And, um, over here in, um, the uh, Garrett in this verse six, talking about seeing eternal life, I was looking at how Shuach is 314, so this is Mem Tet and this is Shaddai. So you realize that through Mem Tet, we're able to elevate because Mem Tet is called the teacher of the way, Sleekah. And so you look at the fact that if we walk in the way, the truth, and the life, if we elevate through Mashiach by humbling ourselves, circumcising ourselves, telling Hashem, we're done. We don't want to be stubborn. We don't want to be hardness of heart. We want to make teshuva. Help us. Show us. Not We need you. We want you. We persevere. We don't know what we're doing, but we're trying with all we got. We're willing to give up cheeseburgers. I mean, I'm giving up, you know, like, I mean, yes, we don't, we do give up cheeseburgers because you don't mix meat and dairy. But for some of us, that's hard you know? And if you do that, I mean, that's one level, just one, one level, you know? And it's just like, that's huge. And a shem is a rewarder uh, according to your deeds. So if giving up a cheeseburger is huge for you, the reward for a shem is going to be huge for you because again, it's going to be Mita Kinege Mita. Okay. So don't forget that. Now, the other thing I want to say about this, uh, Tehillim 16, is that this word here is, um, let's see, looking at the Ivrit, it says, chasidka lirot shachat, your pious one to see Shechat, which it says, lo like, you will not give chasidka, your pious one, lirot shachat, to see the pit, to see the sinking. And so the Chassid is called a benevolent, a kind person, a doer of kindness. And it actually comes from the word Chachad, which is kindness, i.e. religiously, piously, saintly, godly, holy, merciful. And it talks about Being like the Holy One. So an imitator of Hashem is a chassid. Okay? So, yeah. That that word is ridiculous. So, that's what you become if you're a person who by patience perseveres in doing masim tovim and seek kavod and honor and incorruptibility. Not just kavod. Not just honor. Because remember, Mashiach was talking to a group... Or a sect of Perushim who were seeking honor. Who were seeking kavod. They were seeking glory and they were seeking honor. But they weren't doing it from a place of incorruptibility. And they weren't doing it from a place of patience and persevering. They were just like, you need to honor me because I know it all. You need to honor me because I am the bag of chips. I'm the bag that the chips come in. Okay? That's called corrupted. Okay? That's what that's called. And that's called the opposite of a chassid. Okay. So anyway, and remember, we don't call a person that, you know, a corrupted person, but we say that they're doing corruptive, corruptive things. So Mashiach was always saying you're whitewashed sepulchers, you know, because on the outside you're making everything look good, but on the inside what's what's happening there are dead bodies for days and it's just like don't be whitewashed okay so see how it's like you're not the the sepulcher but you're putting on this picture of being a sepulcher so don't be that be who you're supposed to be which is a person of teshuva let's take our actions and our existence and our very being and make that match up with being how Hashem is so that we can become one with that and that becomes who we are and we become incorruptible okay uh, I'm going to sing now <laughs> there is a song by an artist named Becca Shea I have no idea if she's like Jewish orthodox or or what she sings a lot of Hebrew but that's all i'm going to say so in other words i'm not endorsing it but i will say that i remember this song from my past and through my growing level by level she sang this song and it's a beautiful uh phrase in this song and it says incorruptible for this life I'm living incorruptible and it's just kind of really cool because if you think about making your aim to be incorruptible and you think about patiently enduring it's just kind of like wow that's Captain America getting pummeled And then getting back up, bloody face, broken jaw, black eye, being like, I can do this all day. Okay, this is Captain America getting beat down by Thanos with a shield and a hammer at his ability. But yet Thanos still breaks his shield in half, knocks him out. He gets right back up, straps on even harder his half shield grabs the hammer and says Avengers assemble <laughs> let's go you know so um that's the epitome of this verse to quote a movie and to use a visual aid verse eight there's I circled this word I literally circled it because this word is so important this is the biggest word that is overlooked this is probably the beginning of why Romans is used to be anti-Torah because they overlook this word here, but. Because if you can see, Shaul's been bringing down Torah the whole time. I've even been attaching it to the Torah portions the whole time. But now we're about to get into a big but section, okay? It says, but those who are self-seeking and have no mishma'at, which is obedi- obedience. Mishma'at is obedience, by the way. And then it says, to Ha'emez HaShem, to the truth of Hashem. Again, go back to Romans one let Let's do that. Romans one twenty-five. they traded in Ha'emez HaShem, the truth of Hashem, for Sheker, for a lie. Sheker means falsehood. For a lie and worshiped And served Habriah, the creature, the creation, rather than Habore, the creator, Hamvorach Leolamim, the blessed one forever. Amen. So yeah, so if you're going to be a self-seeker and you're going to have no obedience to the truth of Hashem, that's you. You're traded in everything. You've made bizarro world. Now, there are three genders. Now, same sex can get married. Now, people can marry their pets. Now, we can kill live babies. Now, we can kill old people. And should I go on? That's what happens when you you get the big butt going on here. Don't have a big butt. Okay, so... Going on, it says, but instead have Mishma'at to Resha. There will be Haron, Hashem and Fury. Again, because, okay, and remember, Resha is connected to Ra, which is evil. Evil is a substitution of goodness for not goodness. Okay? So, in other words, you can say, it's nice to encourage people when they do a good job. If you're evil, when someone does a good job, you beat them and tell them that was horrible. What's wrong with you? You need to let other people win sometimes. That's an example. Terrible. Absolutely. And this is why haron af, the burning anger of Hashem is stirred up and it will come at one day, one point. If we hasten the redemption, it'll come sooner than later and it won't be as great. Okay. It'll be lessened, which it's already bad now. (laughs) But if we keep waiting this thing out, thinking, oh, exile is totally comfortable. I love my car. Okay. Then you're just building up the anger of Hashem and it's going to get worse. Okay. We don't love exile, we like Geula. Okay, nod your head with me. We like Geula. Yes, redemption. We want Mashiach, right? Yes. Okay, we can actually see him, so we should pray about that. Okay. And if you ever wonder who are we to say such things, just go back to my previous two podcasts and you'll see. Now, it's important to know the Mishma'at that should be happening to the truth of Hashem is what's being granted to evil and wickedness. So the same kind of obedience that we should be giving to Hashem is now being given to wickedness. So verse nine, it says there will be affliction and distress on every living Neshama who brings about what is Ra Yehudi above all and Yavani as well. So who does what is evil, the highest level of your soul is going to be afflicted and distressed. Okay, your light is going to be more and more diminished. Your your thoughts are going to be more and more just pressed down. This is why depression is going to happen on higher levels to where you're going to kill yourself, string yourself out on drugs and so on and so forth. You're going to start uh, doing everything you can to stamp out the light, to stamp out the name of God, to remove him from the world, even though that can't be done. But you're going to definitely try like so many have done throughout the past of uh, mankind. So that's what it is. And this is going to happen to Jews who do this because Yehudi is how you say Jew in Hebrew because there are no J's in Hebrew. So Yehudi above all and Yavani as well, which Yavani goes all the way back to a, a person named Yaphet back in Bereshit. Noah had three sons, Shem, Yaphet, and Ham. These are three categories of people that exist in the world in total. You have the Semitic people, which Jews are a part of that group aramaic people arameans and all that then you have your ham this is your arabic your uh egyptian all that kind of stuff you have yafet these are all the other nations in between those two groups and the prophecy sleek awesome got caught in my throat hashem please move it around told our okay so um Yafet is supposed to come into the tents of Shem, and Yafet and Shem are supposed to actually work together to bring Tikkun to the world. This is why we should have lots of proselytes, because Shem and Yafet get together tag-team style and bring the redemption. And remember, Shem and Yafet are the two brothers who actually took a talit and covered their naked father when he was drunk in his tent. After Ham was like, ha ha, dad, you're drunk. I'm going to do all sorts of horrible things to you. And then I'm going to go tell it on Facebook. Okay. so anyway, moving on, it says, but to ferret and kavod and shalom to everyone who brings about what is tov. Remember, there is no tov other than Hashem other than Mashiach, other than his Torah, because they're all one, says Yehudi above all and Yavani as well. Notice he only mentions the, the Yehudi and the Yavani, like the Jews and the nations, the Greeks in particular, because during this time, Greece was the current exile right before Rome was the next one, you know, cause the whole Hanukkah story and everything. And so Rome actually had a lot of Greek influence, which is why they had the same gods. You know, I always thought that was interesting in, in, uh, English literature, how it was like Roman gods, Greek gods, same gods, different name. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. I'm not really cool, but you know, yeah. So lots of the things that the Romans did is they actually got it from Greece. A lot of things that Greece did, they actually got it from Egypt. Surprise. Yep. And that's why I was really surprised when I found out the roots of hip hop, because being a rapper, I was like, man, I want to be like straight, like legit as a rapper. It's like, I want my gold chain on my Kango hat. I want my my uh my suit my pumas you know i want to rock it like literally and then i'm looking at what that all came from and that's egypt it's just like that's egyptian style like i'm i'm jerusalem so never mind i guess i'm not hip-hop anyway that's neither here nor there i guess but to the final verse for ki ain maso panim im Hashem. For there is no partiality with Hashem. Dictionary of the Targum Meme. We know the word ain, right? The word ain means nothing. We know the word panim, which is face. And then we know im, which is with. But what about maso? Because it says ain maso. Well, maso is spelled mem seen vav aleph. Or, mim samik vav yod, maso. And it says, it's from the word masa, which is mim seen aleph, which is a burden or a load. Okay, so first thing, if we go to the root of this, for there is no burden or load of the face with Hashem. Which is being translated to partiality. Well, let's talk about this though with with uh there is no no burden of his presence okay so there is nothing weighing down hashem okay like there there just isn't he doesn't save face if you will hashem is like i'm here i'm out okay like you can see it all continuing on to dig into this word it says that, uh, it also means, um, care or interest. And then it means respect of a person or partiality as in partiality and bribe taking. And was there partiality shown in that case? That's the specific definition right there when he gets to the respect part. So when it comes to understanding Hashem, there is no respect of persons. There is no partiality. There is no saving of face. You can't be like, oh, Hashem, I'm a son of Abraham. Of course you love me, right? You're not going to punish me. You can't go to your parents and be like, mom, dad, I'm the beloved firstborn. So I don't need to be rebuked for anything. It's like, well, because you're firstborn, you're going to be rebuked a lot more than everybody else because you should know better. <laughs> Which, by the way, we need to know that we are the firstborn as Yehudim, which is why previous verses here say Yehudi above all. Yehudi above all. Verses 9, verse 10. Because we're the firstborn. We're the big brothers to the world. We should be leading everyone in the light. This is why we're called the light to the nations, the light to the world. Okay? So, I would like to finish out with some zohar on bekukotai uh and this is how we're gonna do it first of all let me say from the keher tumash Thai. if you will stride in my rules is another way you can say that phrase it says kuka the word for rule means something engraved as we have noted previously an engraved letter unlike ink on paper becomes one with the rock it is engraved upon. This suggests that the Torah is referring here to an extraordinary level of commitment to our divine mission, i.e., we have zitzfleish and persevere in doing maasein Tovin. Captain America versus Thanos. Okay, and now it says, um, in which we totally lose ourselves and become completely absorbed in fulfilling it. That's the first thing from the Hasidic insights. Going down a little further it says our sages or Sika. When we achieve true oneness with the Torah, as described above with regard to our dedication, our hookah, it says our entire being is affected, even the physical aspects of our lives. OK, this is why we physically do things that show that we're one with Hashem because it affects that much. And it says the material rewards spoken of in this parsha are not only an incentive to keep the Torah, but it's the true indication that the Torah has permeated our lives so much that our observance produces tangible results. OK, so quickly to the zohar this is bekukotai four in the zohar section 16 it says if you walk in my statutes 26, 3, my statutes is the place upon which the decrees of the torah depend my statutes is the place upon which the decrees of the torah depend OK, so when you get into understanding Torah, it depends on the statutes, it depends on striving in the rules of Hashem. If you can't accept Hashem rules, then you can't be in his house. OK, because it's like, remember that thing of you're going to abide by my rules because it's the rules of the household. If you didn't, then you were out. OK, you got kicked out of the household kind of thing. Now, some of us have parents who were gracious, even though we didn't uphold their rules. They kept us in the house, and they helped us—emphasis on helped us—keep those rules. <laughs> All right. Anyway, because you know, if you don't rebuke somebody, you don't love them. But anyway, um, and this is called Malkut. Again, this is called the kingdom. This is called the mouth. This is Devarim. Okay, as is written, and keep my statutes, 18, 18:4. Yeah, cuz those who live or live by my word, those who are righteous live by faith. Those who do them will live. Okay? That's why 18-4, Which is also connected to Habakkuk. Yeah. So the righteous are live by faith. This is the whole Torah by the way, brought down uh Man, I can't remember that tractate. Man, got to work on remembering that. That's in the uh, Talmud talks about the, all the mitzvot are fulfilled in one thing, uh, keeping or living by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And uh, there is a Zohar, by the way. I uh, had it pulled up earlier. I believe it... I, I don't even know where it was. But anyway, it was saying that everything is Amunah. The whole Torah is all about amuna. It's all about faith. So if you want to have faith in God, it's through Torah. Heads up, the more you know. Okay, so Malkut is called a statute, a hook, okay? And it says, and the decrees of the Torah are comprised in it. All of the Torah can be found in the hook, okay? So continuing on, it says, and keep my laws by Eker twenty-five eighteen. Law is another high place. It is Zerunpin, which is the miniature presence, which is Mashiach, which is Memtet, which is Malkut. It says... Or ferret Malkut. Like, it's a part Zuf thing. It's a conglomeration of stuff. In the Sephiroth. It says... To which the statue Malkut cleaves. The kingdom cleaves to Zerah and Pin, which is the Torah's laws, which are the hook. So... This is why it's important to know what was Yeshua talking about when he said Yochanan 17, Yochanan 17, starting at 17. He said this, he said, make them holy in your truth. Your word is truth. And it talks about your word. The Torah is truth. So your word, the word of Hashem is the Torah and it's truth, it's emet, which is based from the word emunah and amen. So yes, I will, like na'asebe nishman, that is emet. Okay, so if you want to abide in truth, that's how you do it. You say yes and amen to Hashem. And you. it goes on, verse 18 in Yokedon 17, it says, just as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world for their... Sakes I make myself holy so that they may also be made holy in truth. Cause everything is attached to Zerampin and then Malkut cleaves to Malk to Zarampin, which is the Torah, which is the Huk, okay? It's all Kolchad, it's unity. So now it says I pray not on behalf of these only, but also on those who believe in me through their message which is us, by the way. And it says all that they all may be one, that they all may be one, just as you father are in me and I and am in you. So also may they be in, may they be one in us. So the world may believe that you sent me. So again, it says in Zohar over here and keep my, keep my laws. The law is another high place which is referencing to the Most High, by the way, which is Zarampinen, who Zarampin is in the Most High. He's literally in the name of of Hashem. And then it says to which the statute Malkut cleaves, and the upper and the lower cleave to each other. All the precepts of Torah, the decrees of the Torah, and the sanctities of the Torah cleave to Zarampin and Malkut, since they are written since they are the written Torah, which is Zerampin, and the Oral Torah, which is Malkut. It's all one. It's all in each other. Yeshua just said, You, Father, are in me. I am in you. So also may they be one in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. The world's only going to know Mashiach has been here and he's on his way back when we manifest this unity. Kol This is why we're Avengers. And it says the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. Seriously, the glory that Hashem gave to Mashiach, to Memtet. He now, Memtet has given that to us. Are you serious? What does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah, it looks like this. That they may be one as we are one. The glory that Hashem gave to Memtet that Memtet gave to us is he Name umanaim shevet akim gam yachad, which meant that was okay first of all behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together that's what that phrase means and then this is what it meant when it says in uh, Parsha Yitro that all the Israel encamped as one before the mountain of Hashem, and when that happened, the glory of Hashem was revealed in a completely ridiculous way with the giving of the Torah, which happened on Shavuot. So this is the glory of Hashem: is this kolichadness, this akdut, this. He name Tovmanaim, Shevet That's that's glory. So again, if you go back to verse 7, Shaul says persevere in doing maasim tovim and seek for kavod. Seek for that glory. Seek for that being in oneness in unity. And then it says Father, I also, oops, Sika, Sika. I went back. So uh, the world believed that you sent me. I'm going to get a glory just as we were one. Okay, so verse 23, 17, Yokonan 17, 23. says, I and them, you and me, and they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them as you loved me. Father, I also want those who have you have given me to be with me where I am so that they may see my glory, the glory you gave me for you love me before the foundation of the world. Because Mishle chapter seven totally talks about that. Daily, I was his delight. He delighted in me. I was a nursling. He looked into the Torah and he brought forth creation. I was set up before the foundations to rule. All of that, yep, yeah, that's in Mishlei, and it says, uh, "Righteous Father, the world did not know you, but I knew you, and these knew you that you sent me." So if we know that Hashem sent Mashiach, we're saying Hashem, I know who you are, because you sent Mashiach, and it says, "I made your name known to them, and will continue to make it known to them, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I." and them. This is all here in this Zohar Bechukotai 4. And this is what Bechukotai is, becoming one with that which is oneness. So when we do that, we steer clear of being people who are under the burning anger of Hashem, who are suppressing the truth and self-seeking. It's hard to be self-seeking if you're kol because the only way to be self-seeking is kol is you want redemption for the world. That's how you be selfish. That's the selfishness we need to have, that we want all mankind redeemed. We want all justice to be met, but we want it to be done in the proper way. And we want people to return to Hashem and walk by His voice. And we don't care who you are. We don't care if you're black, white, blue, brown, brown, purple, yellow, uh, some kind of chartreuse color. It's totally fine. It's every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Yosef, i.e. Mashiach bin Yosef, was clothed with a coat of many colors. And there are many colors. And we bring them all in. And that's what we're supposed to do. Baruch haba Bisham Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech asher Natan Lanu Torah temet, vekaye olam na Baruch atah Adonai, noten Amen.